This episode of the Kill by Kill podcast is brought to you in part by Unseen. Two women form an unlikely connection when Sam, a gas station clerk, receives a misdial call from Emily, who is running from her murderous ex-boyfriend in the woods. Emily has lost her glasses in her escape, and now she must rely on what Sam sees through that video call to survive. Unseen is the latest thriller from Blumhouse Productions and is available to buy or rent on digital now. This film is not rated. And folks, we're sending out a call to our listeners to get a free digital code for this nerve-wracking new thriller that has to be seen to be believed. Just email us at killbykillpod at gmail.com with Unseen in the subject line for your chance to win. And now... The Body Count Continues. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Dying time is here. That's right. We're talking about Scream V1I6. It's a six. Let's get over ourselves on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from New York, New York. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're uh, dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details of Scream 6 in the hopes that a Blackmore student's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. I can't remember the name of the college. Is it Blackmore? It's Blackmore. Oh, good. I, I got it right. Um, this, <laughs> of course, there's only one person. I trust if I need to get across a suspended, you know, an alleyway on the fourth floor, she'll hold the ladder. She won't try to tip me off of it. So I, I smack a, a dumpster on the way down. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I mean, I may have to like lay my whole body on it to hold it down, but but I will <laughs> do my very best to, to hold it down. Yes. For, for whatever reason, uh, who the ghost face who's on the other end of that ladder seems to have a lot more control of that ladder than anyone else. But again, it's one of those collapsible ladders, which is really only meant to get you from your burning apartment to the ground. It's not really meant to support your weight over the long term of a, a long distance. No, you're definitely not supposed to be using it to, to escape a, a masked serial killer. <laughs> it's very, very true. Um, so uh, we now Scream 6 uh, currently in theaters as of the time of this recording. We're doing this very close to when it's releasing. So you'll uh, if this comes out a little rough and ready in terms of my editing style, please uh, know that usually I have a bit more time and we've been, you know, recording things a little bit more in advance these days because of my hectic schedule. This one, oh boy, this is coming out hot, baby. So we will apologize uh, if uh, we say anything out of turn. But as usual with something that's in theaters, we try not to spoil things. So why don't we do a quick 
should people see this non-spoilery review up front for our listeners who have not had the chance to run out and see it? Gina Radcliffe, I turn to you and ask for your opinion of Scream 6 first. I, you know, I, I thought it was pretty fun. I, mm-hmm. I didn't love it. Okay. I I did like it though. I okay. I I think that it uh I think that it it as I said by review that it scratches that itch very effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, and we'll get to this in the spoiler part, that my criticisms of it are are maybe misplaced because I think a lot of what didn't work for me is actually pretty intentional. Um, so it, it makes it difficult to criticize it. Um, but I think overall it's, you know, it's a screen movie. It's still going to be better than a lot of other six movies in franchise franchises. So, yeah, I mean, with this entry and I'll I'll come right out and say, I, I think I enjoyed it even more than you did. Um, uh, recently we, I talked about how I rewatched Scream uh, 2022 in preparation for this and found myself e- enjoying it even more than I did the first time I watched it. So my expectations were pretty high, although I tried to level myself off before going in. And I found the vast majority of it really fun to watch. I have some nitpicky things. I have some, how does this work in relation to the rest of the franchise issues? Um, there, you know, stuff here and there, but in terms of just going to a theater and having a fun time and it being a nice roller coaster ride, I think Scream 6 works very well. And I would now put, now you're, you're six movies into this, right? And you're pretty much got five damn good films and one misplaced dud that was so fucked with that it was impossible for it to be great. Even though there are plenty of people who would put it in that camp. And for me, we're now approaching child's play Chucky territory in terms of quality per movie, right? Child's play Chucky also has that monumental dip in three and then gets better. In fact, I would argue for my money, that Bride of Chucky is the high point of the entirety of, of the franchise. But I think this is the only franchise that currently has this pound for pound punching power that comes close to it because Nightmare is very up and down in a couple of those, <laughs> those things. I, I enjoy them and I love them. They're not bad, bad, but well, one of them is really bad, bad. Two of them might be bad, bad, but <laughs> it's a uh, three of them might be bad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you actually like the Nightmare Franchise? You know what? <laughs> this is a, a good question. Uh, I enjoy watching them uh, in terms of evaluating them. It's a little bit different, I think, for me. Listen, I'm a giant Friday the 13th fan. You're going to tell me that I am some sort of bastion of what I know from quality versus what I enjoy watching? Fuck off. Come on. I laid my cards on the table. Cards? Well, if you're gonna lay your cards on the table, I don't even know what that is. It sounds like a kids in the hall character, but I can't <laughs> identify which one. Uh what were we talking about again? Scream six. So it, it from us, it's a it's a kill by kill recommend. You're really I I don't I listen, it might not rank as high for you. 
uh, of the of the new set of films, I would say it's uh, above average, but perhaps not the height. Now, it, who's to say? Uh, your mileage may vary. But from that standpoint, now let us move on into spoiler territory so we can really dig into these characters. And we will encourage everyone to, if you do not want, wish for the movie to be spoiled, to pause here, delete the, the episode, then re-download it at least 10 to 15 more times just to make sure you have it. Yeah, you know, down, download it on all your listening devices. Every single one that you have, your laptop, your computer, your, your iPad, uh, your tablet, uh, whatever you read on, um, whatever Amazon listening devices in your home, and you're pretty sure you turn the microphone off, but every once in a while, your Amazon recommendations are too fucking good. So all of them, everything you can possibly get, your, your abacus, download it there. Your, your sitting calculator, your 10 key, put it there. I don't care. Uh, just as long as you know you have it every single place that you are. And then you can come back to us. So now we're going to go into spoilers. And all right, Gina, here's the thing. Usually we're talking about a lot of movies that were filmed here in sunny, usually Southern California. This bad boy, however, has a, a unique setting that only you really know about more than me in terms of expertise, a city that you've lived in for quite some time. New York City. I was going to say Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never lived in Montreal all day in my life. But in terms of you do live in New York City, so can you automatically tell how Montreal this is versus New York City? Well, yeah, uh, as soon as I had high hopes, I did, mm -hmm. for how much of this was actually going to be in New York City. Yeah. And then we got that opening scene where she runs into an alley. <laughs> yes, New York's many famous alleyways. And I'm like, there's no fucking alleys here. <laughs> I'm wrong. No, there's one, one alley. The one it, alleyway it, that everyone films in. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's very narrow. I, I don't think you could you could successfully kill somebody without being noticed in it. <laughs> uh so yeah, it's it's a weird one in terms of of that because it immediately signals that you're in New York, but I think for the vast majority of the viewing audience who really only interacts with New York through media. New York is full of fully furnished alleyways. Yeah, it's it's got this sort of interesting where the entire city will say a college campus. Yeah. Where where everybody is very young. Like mm -hmm. you don't see like any like there's like no children walking around. There's no elderly no. people. No children, no dogs. Yeah. Uh, there's very few you, police. Yeah, there's no police. There's a, a suspiciously large amount of white people. I, mean, <laughs> I got, I got, I gotta say it. <laughs> Not quite the international city. Very no. few Chipotle uh, locations. Um, absolutely not a single Dwayne Reed. Uh, no Dwayne, the, no Dwayne Reeds. That's that is the the hallmark of how you know you're in New York City. Is yeah. if there's a Dwayne Reed and if there's a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> exactly. They do, but there is a scene, I will give them credit, mm -hmm. that there is a scene in a bodega. Yes. Uh, it's a little little bigger than most bodegas actually look, and there's no cat roaming around. So, right. you know, yes. points, off, points off for that. But, yeah. but, but at least that they acknowledge that bodegas are a thing. 
And the bodega has an exit out the back as opposed to a storage space underneath, which is generally where a bodega is going to be storing a vast majority of its goods. So, yeah. Again, it has to have a certain amount of aisles. Otherwise, that scene simply won't work. Right, 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 right. It was really more of a small grocery store, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to be too nitpicky about it. <laughs> Again, we do not come to scream for reality, necessarily. We come to it for a version of reality that is entertaining. And, and I really did, I, I'm jumping ahead, I, I probably the highlight of the movie for me was that subway scene, which yes. was very, which was excellently done. I will say my only quibble is the lights don't actually flash off and on like that. I know no, that, I know, I, I know that's a thing in movies um, where you've got, you know, the person being stopped and like, you know, the lights are flashing, like maybe I can count on one hand, you know, like number of times that's actually happened and mm. it's usually a problem with the train the, the train's right. electric, electrical <laughs> exactly. system but like not that's not common when it does happen everyone reacts like uh, a, a hot bundy just walked on stage <laughs> everyone immediately go Woo! when it happens that that is how people react in a subway they're not just silently eating a subway sandwich exactly or or you know just like sighing exasperatingly and like you know just looking at their phone or praying that uh, a, a a a subway act will not get on to this that car it will, it, it will not be they it, break dance it will not be showtime folks yeah yeah <laughs> that's what that's what this that's what that scene was lacking yeah uh although i did enjoy um, when they get on that car and I, I think this is the, it's an interesting genius of the movie in that it's setting this around Halloween to cover for the fact that no one is going to go. It's weird that everyone on this train is dressed like a horror character. <laughs> well, the funny um, thing, the funny thing is that here's one of my, this is actually a, a complaint that I have. And it's actually a complaint that I have about, the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do get that it is trying to say something about the way we, in, you know, in our current society, treat true crime, crime cases, and they turn, turn it into entertainment. Yes. That I, I still don't know if people in the universe of Scream understand that these murders actually happened. Um, because yeah. you've, you've got this one very strange scene in which they are watching the news and a news reporter like, oh, the the ghost face costume is the hottest selling costume this Halloween. I've got my mask. Have you? And it's like, <laughs> and it's like you know, it's a real guy, right? That killed a bunch of people several times. It's like, imagine you're watching like the local news and like, I bought my Jeffrey Dahmer glasses this Halloween. Have you? Hottest costume this year. It's just like, yeah, did Dahmer come out post Halloween so that people weren't trying to be hot Dahmer? Well, yes. a friend of mine mentioned that you actually cannot buy Jeffrey Dahmer costumes on eBay. It is a it, it is a banned costume. I mean, oh, I don't good. know what the costume consists of with like aviator glasses and like you know a shirt. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really. I mean, I don't know what his clothing style was. All I know is he was famous for those like pedo glasses. But, but yes, yeah, sure. 
you apparently, you know, if you try to sell, you know, a bunch of things together as a Jeffrey Dahmer costume, you get it will get banned. But yeah, yeah I just thought that was very strange. Like, okay, have we just given up on understanding that you know this whole thing is started with you know, a real series of murders. Well, I think what complicates it, and it, it's something that runs throughout the series, but at this point, it's it's kind of really wild, is that you're not only dealing with the real stuff, but then stab on top of it. So it's like there's the real Scream universe and there's the fake stab universe, and they are somewhat parallel to one another. So stab is as popular in the in the consciousness of the uh you know real people of the universe that they reckon like that that ghost face mask is just equal to Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and weirdly not Jason Voorhees <laughs> the only Jason Voorhees we see in this is one clip of uh Jason takes Manhattan on TV and a we hate movies poster in the background and uh, le- oh. uh last pot last podcast on the left too I know I know I noticed yes. that one but th- what I like about that We Hate Movies, uh, Jason, uh, poster is it's it's uh, drawn by Philippe, who drew our uh, Choose Your Own Death Venture t-shirt. That's, yay! He deserves so, some He deserves some He deserves the world. He's a great art illustrator. Uh, he works on a lot of Nathan Rabin stuff. Uh, he's fantastic, uh, and uh, we love him to death. And that just made me beam, like... Uh, it really set me off on the right foot in terms of this movie. Um, so I enjoyed that part. But what was I getting to? Oh, it's just that it's all they're They're all it's in the miasma as if as if like the uh, trying to like the Zodiac mask was the same. Like if there had been a series of Zodiac movies starting in the 80s or the 90s somewhere where people just wore that mask. That's the only thing that kind of gets anywhere close to it is that it it confuses the issue in terms of that. But I don't think we have any current analog of anything along those lines because masked killers are not a real thing in life. No, no. It's just it's just strange to me. It's like it's like, OK, like we're kind of in this sort of, you know, very meta universe where, yes. where everybody has, it's, it's, it's kind of the, the equivalent of how people in the Friday 13th universe uh, and, and Halloween too, constantly need to be reminded of what happened, that, that right. you know, this is a real thing that happened. And that's, you know, <laughs> I think it's egregious, uh, when it's Friday the 13th because it's such a small area, but it has a high transient population of visitors, of tourists. So not all of them will know necessarily. And it was a lower information age. Well, it's that's harder to, to carry that off in a high information age, especially when portions of your movie depend on everyone being aware of certain components. This movie introduces the idea that someone has been poisoning online communities with the idea that Sam uh, murdered Richie in the last movie and actually set up Richie and his girlfriend to be her fall guys for what is essentially her massacre, making it a three ghost face 
sort of scenario when in fact this movie is a three ghost face finally equalizing the amount of ghost face i yeah we're 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 at maximum ghost face here <laughs> yeah that's right whereas six movies 12 ghost face finally People who just cannot stand odd numbers will rest easy tonight knowing that we're finally at an even 12, baby. I can't tell you something funny when um when the opening scene and you know the the callback to the original by having a a, a famous face being killed off immediately. I was mm. like, hey, Margot Robbie. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> not Margot Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> It is one Samara Weaving who Radio Silence uh, used before. And this is a big sort of reunion. Of yeah, I completely forgot that they did Ready or Not. So Yes. So And the, the psychiatrist uh, that we'll be talking about a little bit later on, he's, all, he's also from that, that movie. And I, I was kind of like, who is that again? And then finally I placed it. Oh, he's been, he's been a million things. Sure. Usually, yeah, yeah. usually playing either a psychiatrist or a bad guy. Yes. But he, he usually has not gone for that full beard. And I was like, Hmm. I, I was kind of wondering like, who? that's obviously a, a character actor. I know, but I could not quite line up. Um, but let's talk about Samara weaving. Cause of course, uh, as we are wont to do on this episode, supposedly, is talk about horror movie characters and the order in which they die. So let's talk about one professor, Laura Crane. Um, first off, color blocking, way to go. I love it when a Scream character gets color blocked. Yeah, she's got that, that neon yellow dress on. Wah. Wow. Uh, that is that that's a hell of uh, listen we don't like we don't care about people's boners on this program but i'm just going to come out and say it. that is a hell of a fucking dress and she wears the living shit out of it uh it's a good dress now here's the other thing that samara weaving can do very well is <laughs> she is a stealth comedian in terms of her timing because she, she is a character who's a uh, film professor who is teaching uh, students at Blackmore University, a real college. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. <laughs> totes, for sure. It's it, NYU. Fuck off. Everyone's going to Blackmore College now. Columbia, never heard of it. Unless it's the tape and record club, then I'm into it. So she's teaching at Blackmore. She's teaching about slashers. And she, and as she's having this conversation with what sounds like Lynn Manuel Miranda, am I right about this? <laughs> Are you asking if it actually is him or does it sound? Yes, like I am. I literally am because I have seen like there's a stealth voice cameo, and I keep meaning to click on that link, and I have been writing my ass off since I saw this movie, so I've not clicked on that link. So what everyone loves to hear on a podcast. Is someone doing research in real time? What is the secret voice cameo in Scream 6? And that is, um, he's played by Quinn's off-camera off boyfriend. What? Secret Tim Robinson cameo. What? Hold the fucking phone. 
Hold the goddamn phone. <laughs> <laughs> installment of the horror franchise was starting to get it. Okay. A secret Tim Robinson cameo is in the sixth installment of the slash movie. Um, yeah, yeah, secrets about the plot. Okay, I don't care about this. Tell me where the. Let's see. In the well, wait, is he is he the te- is he the telephone voice or is he the guy that Quinn's supposed to be having sex with? The one who keeps calling her babe. I think he might be the guy that Quinn is having sex with. Robinson has a vocal cameo. Confirmed that he is the off-screen boyfriend of Quinn. Okay. Okay, but who is who is that's the thing like it's I leaned over to Becky and go is that fucking Lin-Manuel Miranda because it sounds like Lin-Manuel Miranda talking it seems like something no one is confirming this everyone has gone in on uh, on Tim Robinson which I fucking love I love that that happened but uh, I'm guessing on that one it's probably not because I think people would be talking about it more but that's who that struck me as. So anyways, she's talking to him. He can't find the restaurant that they're at because there's so many secret restaurants. And, uh, but when she's talking to him, he's asking her questions about what she does for a living and she can't help herself, but fall into the rap that she gives her students during lectures and then hates herself for doing that. And I'm like, <laughs> I know that emotion. I I felt that emotion where I have a specific rap about what I do for a living or what I've been working on. Or you have a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, it's called Kip. You know, I, and I hate myself while I do it. And I very much became a Laura Crane fan when that happened. <laughs> Real recognizes real. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a dose of reality in what is supposed to be transporting me away from reality. Um, But the the goal here is to lure her out of a crowded restaurant and into one of New York's famous fully uh, furnished alleyways uh, so that she might be killed there. Uh, She is drawn into the middle of that alleyway where there is a T where a ghost face makes his appearance and stamps her to death. Here's a question I have for you. So was this all like, you know, did they set up this, uh, the, 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 the person who killed her was one of her students. Um, yes. So did he just set up this whole, like, you know, persona on, on a dating site to like, to, and, so. and, and, and manage to, you know, you set up accurately that she would like swipe right or whatever, however it works now. And, and, you know, agree to, to, cause that's, again, that's a very, that's, that's a hell of a catfishing scheme. It is a hell of a, again, a lot of coincidences need to happen in order for this murder to take place. I, I'm going to say, let me, let me, let me just stop and say that sure. in order for maximum enjoyment of this movie. And again, I, I liked it very much. I, I think it's a, a perfectly good screen movie. I think it fits right in the franchise, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff that you're just going to have to let go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, do not think about it for more than a second because mm-hmm. you're going to be like, look a minute that doesn't make right. any you're gonna pull a classic Stuart Wellington wait what that doesn't make any sense <laughs> come on. 
Come on. Wait, wait a second. Those mirrors are haunted? Um, wait, yes. he's, in, he's in the mirror universe? <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. You're telling me there's a, on the other side of the mirror, there's a, there's a world that looks like ours, but it's the opposite? Hold, wait. Come on. Come on. I, I, I don't know if, I do wonder how many of the Flophouse's current listenership knows about that bit simply because it happened so very long ago. Uh, you, know, you know, I just, you know, I just watched Tony Oker's animation of it like last week. <laughs> I love, I, I love it so much like that. And, um, and the one about Stallone's disease from bullet in the head. I just, I, yeah. I, those are like, I love both of them so much. See my personal favorite of Oker's animation work from the show is the uh, one from the uh, the sequel to Easy Rider that <laughs> goes about the riff of the bar where he tries to take a drink back because <laughs> I want I want credit for this drink. <laughs> oh, I could watch that on a loop. It's perfect. Um, what a fucking show. <laughs> and that's everyone's second favorite thing about a podcast. One podcast talking about another podcast. That, 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 this podcast would not exist without it. It's true. If you want to know the DNA of this show, you got to go back to the Facebook group for the Flophouse. That's where Gene and I found each other uh, in the, the misty uh, depths of, of that podcast fandom. So, uh, so yeah, that is a, a, a stretch in terms of reality. But, of course... This is a thing where everyone has that that voice app that can turn your voice into, you know, Roger Christian's exact voice uh, that people can lock doors on and off uh, with their phone. They can clone your phone. All that's you just kind of got to go. I'm at a movie, baby. This you can is, uh, you, you can level we're you at. can take, you know, you have several stab wounds to the chest twice and, and yeah. be all right by the end of the well, you're worse. You thought Dewey, you thought Dewey Every was, time it happens, you're a little worse for wear. But you, you thought Dewey, you thought Dewey was unkillable. These fucking <laughs> these fucking uh, uh, Meeks twins, my god. Yes. Well, yeah. I think Mindy's getting it a little lighter than Chad is. Chad seems to. They might want to change to test him for you know unbreakable disease. I was going to say he's got some like adamantium running through his, his veins or something. <laughs> But I'm also very glad he's not dead. Oh, of like, course, no, no, no. He's he's I, I he's my he he's become my favorite character from like, after this. He's a stealth, great fucking character. This is the thing that I uh, really enjoy about this iteration of Scream, and I think it's one of the things that this franchise can do that not a lot of franchises are able to, because there's carryover in Screams. And therefore, if you're going to want me to come back, you have to build characters that I'm going to want to root for to stay alive. Now, they can be complicated. They can they, they, they don't necessarily have to be great people. But I do, for whatever reason, want to see them survive this movie. And the, the, the Wonder Meeks, as I, <laughs> the, uh, T-shirt idea number one, Wonder Twin powers activate with the makes touching fists. These <laughs> characters are fucking amazing. Radio silence should do a goddamn lap. 
the the writers should do a lap on this because if you don't find a way to redeem a Randy character, they've split them into two now. And so it's it's kind of wild how much they're able to imbue Chad, a character who in any other movie would be a complete a-hole. He is joyful. Well, he the, just, the name that I, I know that I like that, that I like Chad as a character because I did not mind his cute little romance forming with Tara. <laughs> Which really should be a uh it, it should be a red flag that we're in a, in essence do, making Chad into a Dewey, and that hence why he's able to survive each time. And somehow that makes Tara into Gale? Is she going to become a Gale? I mean, I hope not. Uh, yeah. It's, but that's the only slot available in a sense is that she's the Gale because she's the other brunette. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't know if they're trying that hard to, to emulate the original movies, but what I, where I was going with that, you know, it, it's hard to criticize it because it, it feels, even the missteps feel deliberate Sure. Um, I mean, obviously, this movie is taking a, a huge page from Scream Two, where yes, yes, they yes. they are they are now you know they have now moved. They are now all attending the same college, which right. that's that's always that's always a a a, a trope in movies and TV that I loved. <laughs> Everybody graduates <laughs> high school, goes to the same college, even, even if it's yeah. even if it's like, even if it's literally across the country. You you've got the vengeful parent. Uh, you, you've got the the you know the sort of um, even though at this point the bench the, the benchful parents you 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 aid is one of their children well two of their children in this case you know it's someone who's crazier than they are mm-hmm. um, it, it's you know you've got a lot of those same beats I, I was so cause I, I could so see all the parallels I was genuinely shocked that Sam's sexy secret boyfriend survived at the end of the movie. Yeah, well, in a way, we're go- we're going back to to Sydney's boyfriend, Innocent from Scream Two. Like it kind, it follows a lot of the same beats in a lot of the same way. There's an out of control police car. <laughs> there's an extended. There's that sequence in which, um, you know, that uh, uh, Josh uh, Greer's uh, character who's name I cannot remember off the top of my head, Danny. He's looking across the alleyway to Sam and Tara's apartment and is banging on the window that's straight out of Scream 2's This is the Silent Booth and You Can't Hear Me. It's just, there's a lot of nods going on here, including an excessive police presence. Um which is very singular as opposed to a lot of police protection that never happens. Um, So it's repeating a lot of those and it's trying to up the, we're, we're going to have some chase. We're going to have some, a lot of suspense sequences built into this. They're really going for that. What they just don't have in terms of scream two level stuff is, and it's hard to recreate is they don't have 
the Buffy chase. They don't have the Sarah Michelle Geller chase level of chase. And they do not have something that is on par with Sydney and her roommate crawling over a passed out ghost face in that police car out the window. I mean, I, that think, is, I think that the, I think that the latter scene is pretty good. I, I, I think the that, latter scene and the subway scene are obviously what they're trying to do. And I like, really like both those scenes. But as I said, it's hard to hit the same levels as Scream 2 because Scream 2 is just on a par with itself. When people say that Scream 2 is their favorite, I kind of have to go, I can see why, right? I might not necessarily agree with them, but I also wholeheartedly believe that it's pretty fucking singular because it does things that other Screams sometimes want to do, sometimes abandon and really should try to do which is more of that, you know, active chase suspense sequence. And here they are really, they are going for it. And that latter scene is fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and which makes me wonder, you know, what are they going to do for the next movie? I mean, are they going to, are they, are they going to acknowledge that three, that screen three is not very good. Uh, and, right. and, and, and you know, are they going to, you know, try to rectify that or are they just going to, you know, well, now here's the one, here's the one that's going to be a, a commentary on, you know, the movie industry itself. Well, okay. Let us table our discussion of Scream 6, if only for a moment, to have this conversation, which I figured would happen. So the commentaries within Scream movies are very singular, right? The first one is about slasher movies the second one is about sequels the third one trilogies the fourth one reboots the fifth one this requel idea or legacy sequel they don't they st- they're still trying to make fetch happening here with a requel no one is picking up what they're putting <laughs> down on that terminology it's just a legacy sequel this one then goes mm, where do we go from here okay we're into a franchise. It's weird that it's taken till the sixth movie to actually discuss it as a franchise, but it's interesting to discuss that as a franchise. So yes, as this borrows very heavily from the scream two in terms of its scenario and how it behaves, you do have to wonder how they approach scream three, if they're going to reflect back on that. And I guess the question is, how do you end? Right? Because I think this then becomes the question of, do you do something that goes all the way back to the beginning because they tease that Stu Mocker, the conspiracy theory that Stu Mocker is still alive? Or do you directly comment on Scream 3 in terms of Sam and Tara's mom, whom we have never seen? Never. And I was kind of had one chip down as, as much as Becky was for sure from the minute go was like, yeah, it's Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> she was like, it's Dermot Mulroney. She called it very early, and she was absolutely right, as she is about almost everything in this world. Uh, but <laughs> holy shit. I, was, I had one chip down because they kind of set up, mom cut me off, then she cut off Tara. It's a, it's a whole bit of business there. So... Yeah. Do you go, all right, do you put them in line with uh, they're making a movie and they involve them somehow? Do you 
I don't think you want to put it back in Hollywood, you know, like that's fucking happened already. I don't honestly know how exactly you set up three other than you comment it by taking it back to a source. And Scream 3 has the whole, this is all about Sydney's mom element. And I, that's where I think you, you're kind of bridging the gaps because you already have Billy Loomis so intricately involved in this latter trilogy that you kind of square the circle that way. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that, but you're right that the that the three is, you know, predominantly about Sydney's mom and and that yeah, it does seem to be setting up that there is going to be more involving Sam and Tara's mom. And I and I think also because we've never seen her, you're also, you know, it's leaving the door open for a a fairly well-known actor to play her. Um yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I guess she would have to be 50 by now, about our age. Yeah. Uh, so um, maybe maybe a little bit younger. So you know the the mind reels as to who it could be. Um, I mean, I I feel like at some point they've got to do something with this thing with Sam. Like you know you as time father, I have to kill. <laughs> you know, like yeah, well, I they 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 have to do something with that because now it's two movies that have teased that this is something that she struggles with. Yes. And that when she is triggered, let's say, by, you know, that word has lost all meaning at this point. But, you know, it is so far only seems to be that she, it is triggered when someone she cares about, you know, Tara predominantly, is in danger. But, you know, what happens if it takes starts to take less than that? Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I, I feel like they, they can't keep teasing that and not ultimately pull the trigger on it. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic that they play with a little bit in five, but they simply do not have time to really dig into other than other people assume that it's happening. But I have to say, in terms of a dynamic, it is interesting to finally have one of these franchises in which someone thinks that, well, this final girl, as it's put, you know, survived this incident, maybe they just like it. Maybe it's the excuse. Maybe deep down, they're waiting for it to happen again because then you get to kill. She is way in the right. She's in a, she's literally got to stab and shoot her way out of, you know, that situation that she finds herself in both times. So, so, I find it interesting. I just don't think they have found a way to actually realize it where I can think for more than five seconds, Sam might be behind this. It would be interesting. I don't know if the actress is going to want to get behind this, but it would be interesting at some point for her to put something in motion she can't control and it getting out of hand. I don't, I don't know. That's where you might want to, let some distance between this set of trilogies and another film to bring back Sam, whether or not you could pay that. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting setup that not a lot of franchises could ever imbue because it's not like Nancy's like running around town, giving people sleeping pills and going, uh, Freddie right before they go. to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I gotta tell you, I, I had a, a, some small belief that 
remember when they were making this movie and, and it came out that uh, Nev Campbell had declined to do it again because they give her enough money. Now, to sure. be fair, I, I don't know where they would have squeezed Sydney into this. Um, I mean, yes. Gail, Gail, let's face it, Gail really does not get a lot to do in this. Um, and Kirby gets even less. Yeah, they kind of wait. They kind of waste Kirby, and for all the the you know hype about her coming back, they kind of waste her character. I mean, she does yeah. survive, which is nice. Uh, yes. And Gail somehow implausibly also survived, Barely. even though you know a grown you know. So let's assume it's you know there was a a, a you know sixty six percent chance it was one of the male ghost faces attacking her. Well, okay, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been uh, Dirt Mulroney. So let's say it was Ethan, you know, with his full weight slammed a buck knife into her chest. And and somehow she's like, oh, she's gonna be all right. She's gonna pull through. <laughs> she's, <laughs> Like, Again, oh, okay. it is hard to kill somebody with a knife in this movie. That's why they keep telling you to shoot people in the head. Because like zombies, a knife will only go so far. But uh, I, part of me thought that, and I knew the chances were, were, were slim to none, but it would have been cool if this was all a, a, a ruse to have Sydney be Ghostface. Sure. And where, you know, because Gail was kind of a sociopath let's just say it mm-hmm. you know she keeps putting herself in the middle of this this case even though you know it cost her the love of her life um and she's written another book that we find yes. out even though she she has promised not to you know mm-hmm. at what point is sydney going to be like i need you to stop writing about me and and <laughs> i mean personally i would be like stop writing about me what do i have to do to get you to stop writing about me to give me some peace in my life and, yeah. and I think it would have been kind of cool if the movie, not that I want to necessarily see Gail killed off, although I do think that they have run out of what they can do with her as a character. Um, yes. And, um, you know, I think it would have been kind of cool if the movie opened with her getting killed. And, and you know, that it turned out to be Sydney. But that's, you know, if I had written Scream VI, that's probably what I would have done with it. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a case to be made for gail being behind something just to uh, keep that to just to keep generate, that yeah just to keep that uh that fire burning yeah yes to generate that heat i don't personally and that's not to say it couldn't be done it's to say that the way sydney squares her circle in five feels like she does not need to be in the middle of this anymore i think you only really need to put her in the middle of something when you're establishing a new generation of it, which is why she ends up in four and why she ends up in five. I mean, she's vital to four. She's tangential to five, but it works because it squares her, her character's circle off in such a specific way that um, while I believe she should be paid all she's worth, I just don't know where they would have put her here. And because they ended up having to shift, um, because Paramount wouldn't pony up the money and they go to Kirby, Kirby gets the short shrift. So, yeah. Um, and then there's the Stu Mocker of it all. The Stu Mocker of it all is really what I come back to because you don't lay out that East, you don't lay that trail if you're not planning to pick it up. And yes, they already made this as a TV series called The Following. But <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I, the, the natural progression of what they are doing here is they are leading to a ghost face cult. 
that that I would that that I would bet I would bet folding money on is going to be ultimately where where this part of the of the series goes. Yes, because if I would I wouldn't the nice thing that and let's let's corner this back into Scream Six a little bit so we can get a little bit back on track. But I, I think this is the natural transition. I really enjoyed the component of then having the person who kills our our recognizable star up front, um, Jason, played by Tony Rivioli, uh, to then go back to his apartment and he is the next, Ghostface is the next victim. When he pulls his mask off, I'm like, yes, this is what I want. I want sub, I want subverting the formula, baby. I want the formula. I just want it a little different. And this starts us off on that. And I would, to veer back off, I would love it if, in a sense, Ghostface goes viral, where you don't have to have all these characters in the same place initially for all of this to happen. For Ghostface to spread out, find them wherever they are, and bring and bring them back together because there's no safety to be found anywhere. Well, yeah, and- that's that's the beauty of, of Ghostface is because with the, the voice changer... And because of the way the the costume is designed, that that it you know it covers up the proportions of your body. You can't immediately tell if the person's you know a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it 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 really it could be anybody. Which you know yeah. what what is what makes that scene so creepy in 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 the subway. Again, I, I doubt there will be that many ghost faces in one place, but. You know, I mean, even even on Halloween, but you know, regardless, it, it it really works because it just it it literally could be anybody, right? Um, so Jason gets a phone call, um, from what he assumes is his roommate Greg, uh, and uh, they have set themselves up as the next iteration of a Ghostface duo. Uh, they uh we. We're not sure why we're told later on they're actually connected to one of the Scream 5 killers. And as a result, they've just, they have launched their own plan and they're cut off by another set of ghost faces who have their own plan for everyone who survived Scream 5. And man, alive. As soon as they started showing that refrigerator, I'm like, I'm like Friday the 13th part two. Friday the 13th part two. <laughs> part two. <laughs> and when he opens that door and not only do we get a head, but half a body is stuffed in there with the head. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, ghost usually dismember bodies. No, but that is something that Mindy says later on that if we're going to franchise territory, you have to up the ante, not just in terms of suspense sequences, but you're going full on, the beheadings. Now she says this after the beheading has happened, but still, um, I I like that they both do it and comment on it as is a scream movies want. Um, but I I don't know that this was the most suspenseful of sequences necessarily. I think it's hard when like I don't care if Jason uh, dies. <laughs> Right? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's barely a character. All I mean, right. like as soon as he took his mask off, like, oh, hey, it's the uh, grand, the, the the Grand Budapest Hotel guy. Yes, uh, and so I think the 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 bigger twist here is that 
after Jason discovers Greg's body and is stabbed repeatedly and was like, but, but the movie, you know, and the person behind the ghost face mask says, who the fuck, who gives a fuck about movies? Yeah, like, that got, that, oh, got, that, got a, that, that got a big laugh in my theater. <laughs> yes. I, you know, it's, you, you kind of have to like, this is good. This is good. The movie about a movie in conversation with itself is continuing to have an interesting conversation with itself. And not every film franchise can do that. And this movie has that capacity. And I think it's pretty cool for doing it. Um, we covered a lot of our issues with Sam along the way, uh, the good and the bad of it. Um, her main issue with her sister, Tara, um, is that Tara's, according to her, not dealing with what has happened to her. Now, she doesn't seem to, to care that Chad is still happy-go-lucky and Mindy is just as happily oversexed as she was in the fifth movie. <laughs> just, she's a, the fucking Mac wherever she goes. She's just dripping in women and more power to her, uh, quite frankly. Uh, she would probably pull all the women anywhere around me. So I can, I totally fucking get it. Uh, but Tara specifically is not dealing with this. And so uh, she goes, uh, Tara goes to a frat party and uh, slowly starts getting pulled upstairs by someone we can tell has bad intent. And even though you can see on Tara's face, this is a bad idea. She knows it's wrong. She knows something bad can happen. She's still kind of like, I don't know. I kind of want to make a mistake. And well, yeah, well, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's, you know, she thinks, about, well, this is the real college experience. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> having, to, having to deal with a guy, a drunk guy forcing himself on you is part of yeah. the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the college experience. And so, you know, she's confronted not once, not twice, you know, but thrice. Um, and that three times involves uh, Sam. <laughs> And she does tell the guy ahead of time, I am going to tase you in the balls. And then tases him in the balls. And it was satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it was very satisfying. Um, so, uh, you know, Tara is very pissed off. Uh, this introduces on their walk back that, that Sam is part of a conspiracy theory where someone's putting out on the internet that she was actually behind it all. She gets doused in cherry Coke. Uh, we learn that Sam and Tara and their roommate Quinn, who apparently is, is having sex uh, with uh, the lead of, I think you should leave and <laughs> which character from, I think you should leave. That's up to you. Is that a member of the turbo team? We might never know that guy ends up or maybe another guy ends up uh, slashed to death in the bathtub, but we'll get to him. Um, but we do know that there's a really hot guy across the way who uh, takes his shirt off all the time. Uh, and of course that, that person is uh, played by uh, uh, Josh uh, Segarra, um, who I knew initially from, he was on a, a CW superhero show back when I had to really pay attention to those because I worked on them all the time, but has since done all sorts of things, including She-Hulk, which he's very winning in. And if you have never watched the other two, I cannot recommend that show enough. One of the funniest comedies on air right now that not enough people are talking about. I have not seen it, but maybe I will check it out. Oh, please do. He, he, he is very, he is very nice. He is very nice to look at. I, I, I did 
I was convinced up to the very end of the movie that, that he was not going to make it. <laughs> he somehow made it. Yes, he did. He avoided the curse uh, and he somehow makes it. But what I do love, you know, one of the other components of this is that there are certain things that sort of happen and don't happen in screen movies. People are aware that there are tropes and that they should act a certain way and they sometimes violate those things and sometimes they don't. So Sam knows and everyone else knows that he is definitely a likely ghost face. It just... Too many boyfriends have ended up ghostface. Too many attractive dudes who otherwise you would just throw your body on top of based on principle alone. He's that hot. <laughs> and they I go don't out disagree. of their way to go. Hey, listen, I, I like you. Your, your soup's hot. I, I, I like how you talk through what I think are fake teeth, but they work for your face. Your skull is so nicely shaped, and I enjoy when you take your shirt off. But <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you are the most likely suspect right now. So you got to go elsewhere. And he's like, you know what? Uh, uh, as much as I want to say you're wrong. That, that's fair. I don't think you should listen to me. I, You know what? I'm going to respect what you say. And I'm like, that guy gets it, everyone. He gets it. Yeah, he I, I fucking I, gets it. I, I seriously doubt he's gonna he's gonna be back for the next movie. But you know, again, it's a, it's a nice zag in the audience that he is revealed to neither be a, a ghost face or to be horribly killed. Yes, I think it's a, a wild zag uh, that I enjoyed immensely that this movie can be in conversation with itself and still make that conversation interesting. Um, when, when, uh, when, when Mindy has her big conversation with everyone in terms of this is a franchise and these are the rules we're going by, it sets up an interesting dynamic for Mindy because it's weirdly opposed to Randy. Okay. She's starting off the opposite of Randy in many ways. She has, she's right about movies. Randy is wrong about movies. Weirdly enough, Randy is right about people. And Mindy is wrong about people. Yeah, yeah. Her correct movie evaluations blind her to actual people. And Randy's correct evaluations of people make him blind to correct movie opinions and knowledge. It's I, these people have paid attention to these movies. We, so many of these franchises, no one pays attention to the movies that came before them. And these guys have really paid attention and have tried to zag on that in a very interesting way. It also helps that Mindy's played by a, a very gregarious and charismatic actress that being said, um, I just found it refreshing that they stick to the bit here to the point where when she survives at the end, she's like, oh, I fucking missed the monologue again. <laughs> I, 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 like I said, one, and I said this before about the screen movies, um, as opposed to a lot of other franchises, which as they you know continue to switch hands between directors, um, particularly in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I, and I, and, yes. and and definitely in the Halloween movies, you you saw that these are being taken over by people who just 
don't like slasher movies and, yeah. and don't like people who enjoy slasher movies and are going to make them as dumb and empty as possible. And I think that as much as Scream 5, you know, pokes fun and, and absolutely justified at toxic fandom, you know, I, I think that they don't they have not they, they have not lost any respect for the people who enjoy these kinds of movies. And I yes. think that they, you know, I, you know, I, I think that when they do get around to acknowledging the existence of Scream 3 in some way, it, it, it's not going to be, you know, boy, that sucked, didn't it, people? Like, like, like I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to be as respectful as they can. Yes. Well, I think it helps that for the most part, the sort of, we're not, we're not dealing with the, 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 the and we've discussed this before. The problem with the Scream franchise post the original one is is that the producers of the film become convinced that the reason Scream was good was them when they had all the worst ideas, as opposed to Williamson and Craven, who had all the best ideas. And they were left alone on the first one, and they didn't anticipate it to be as big as it was, and then it it shocked so hard, and they got fucked over so badly with the internet in the second one, they still make a great movie despite all those odds, and, th- and those idiots who will not be named here convince themselves it was us the whole time. We're responsible for this. So when they get to Scream 3, they fuck with it every single possible way they can to the film's detriment. And the vast majority of the problems with that film have to do with the sex criminals and those who support them uh, behind it. And so when, and even in four, they're fucking with it uh, because that reckoning hasn't happened with, you know, it's a miracle that turned out to be as good as it is. So here, I think they have a lot more leeway and people going, because there's a transference of everyone's operating and it's worked so far and it's making money, they're going to allow you to do what you can do so long as you make it for a price point that will allow it to make money. And that meant they kind of sacrificed having Sydney in the movie, which sucks. It's It sucks. But like you said, Gina, I don't know where they would put her. I mean, I like the idea that, you know, she's, you know, living quietly and removed from all this. And, you know, she married Patrick Dempsey and presumably had children with very good hair. Yeah. And the 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 goal of of five was to put this in a circumstance where, yes, she can be involved in that movie. But the franchise in and of itself has moved on beyond her needing to be the center of the action. We have now recentered this it's still connected to the original movie in that sam is billy loomis's child but it does not require sydney right i mean the only reason in every movie the only reason she came back in five was because dewey died yes and i you know the only reason she would probably show up here is if gail died and but she has survived um, very quickly, we have that bodega sequence in which uh, a couple customers get stabbed, slashed, and shot, and the bodega owner or clerk, or at least the cash register person. Uh, but most most bodegas are run by the people who actually run them, so we're going to go with owner. Uh, he gets shotgun right in the face. Uh, he is not going to wake up from that. 
And I thought that was done pretty well. Uh, it's a tight space. It's hard to make escaping from there quite believable. I think the Carpenter sisters do the best job they can do. That brings us to the second t-shirt idea I have, which is use the Carpenter's logo, but uh, with a, a ghost face on the end of that swirly uh, S of Carpenter's. <laughs> and- <laughs> I like that. I like that. (laughs) If you have the ability to do that, because I fucking don't, hit me up, baby. Uh, Hit our socials. Uh, Go to killbykillbot at gmail.com. Let's make a t-shirt. We haven't had a t-shirt in a while. This sounds like a good idea. Um, So let's get back into the action in terms of, guys, because there's not much to say about these people are, are cannon fodder. But we can talk about Dr. Christopher stone who is um i think a psychologist who doesn't like his job (laughs) so the way he comes off yeah i again i one thing i i one criticism i do have is i feel i'm pretty certain this character had more to do in the in Mm. the in the you know in in earlier drafts of this script and I then I realized, then I think that they saw they were already at two hours, which is which is yeah. definitely pushing it for a slasher movie. Yes. Now yes. I, I will say that it, it's for two hours it's paced pretty well. You you don't really feel it too much. It gets a little talky in that second act, but again, they're trying to make sure that you actually check in with some of these characters and allow those characters to breathe and react and have emotional depth to them. It's time that's not wasted but the pacing does lag in that particular section and then picks up like a roller coaster afterwards. If you watch the trailers for, for this, I, he is definitely set up as a potential red herring. Whereas yeah. in this, he's killed yeah. off almost immediately. Like you, his you, second you, appearance is getting a knife through the face. Yeah. He, he, you know, he gets all like, Oh, Oh dear. Oh, when, uh, when Sam tells him that, you know, you know, well, you know, I had to kill somebody who attacked me and, and, you know, my father was a murderer. My father was Billy Loomis. And sometimes I feel like I might have the same urges he has. And he's just like, this is like, he's never heard anything like this before. I, I, I don't know what kind of psychiatrist, you know, and, you know, he's got to be like 60. So, you know, presumably he's been doing this for about 30 years. I, I don't know what psychiatrist who's been psychiatrying for 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 30 years has never confronted someone who has said well sometimes i feel these violent urges <laughs> yeah sometimes i have ideas i can't control and i don't like it and his response is i can't see you anymore he's like and uh like, you, you, like, you know i have to call the police right and it's like uh you sure you listen, want to tell me if that? you're having trouble with your mom you come to me and we can talk that out but wait a second you have ideas you can't control get the fuck out of my psychiatrist's office fuck off <laughs> yes i i i think that they were they they intended to do more with him than they actually did yeah um but i was thrilled when we have uh a first in a while i'm really i was really racking my brain trying to figure out if we'd had a bunch of them before but i don't i think scream 2 might have been the last time we have a full unadulterated get bunked in a scream movie but here we do. Yeah. Because Ghostface 
busts right through that window, stabs him in the face. That's a get bunked, everybody. Yeah, I mean, Booyah. no matter, no matter, even if you flat out did not like this movie, and and you some people didn't, whatever it is, what it is, mm-hmm. but but the the there are the kills in this are are exquisite. They're they're they're, they're, they're brutal. Like I said, I, again, I am a little as as happy as I am that 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 Mindy and Chaz survived. I don't see how it's possible. <laughs> I mean, Chad has two people on him just stabbing away at his chest like they're trying to carve a, a Christmas turkey. And yes. But, like, he's not only, like, you know, alive but conscious when they bring him out of, that, out of that warehouse at the end of the movie. Yeah, they're going... Uh, I, I think they might be bad at it. I, I don't know if it's just taking all of their strength to hold his arms back and they're just stabbing his shoulders because that's the only explanation. They're somehow missing all of his major organs. Yeah, because they do it so convincingly. I'm like, my initial reaction was, oh, (laughs) because I like Chad. I'm a Chad fan. Mason Gooding has charisma to fucking burn. And he just cannot lose in my eyes in these movies. I have not seen him in other things, but I would very much like to because he is very good. Like he just he's like he a t- makes you like yeah, him he's immediately. A, he's a, he's got the total jock persona and look, but yes. he's he's absolutely charming and very likable. Yes. I, I would ha- uh, I would I, hazard to say that he is the most likable male character in the entire franchise. I agree with you. A thousand percent. Like Chad, in many respects, is set up to be a very specific internet joke. Well, he's a himbo. And it is because he's so winning, he completely subverts that internet joke. And I don't think this would be possible with a ton of other actors. I think it's very specific to him. And that's why I think he's that kind of dewy analog because you just like him despite being set up to maybe not like him so much and he wins you over it's 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 a rare breed he's apt and Gina nailed it in one absolutely the best male character in the history of the scream franchise yeah it's I, I'm glad that I'm glad that he survived I just thought it was a little, a little implausible that he did yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah Yes. Uh, yes. No, Dewey should have been dead men four times. <laughs> and fi- the fifth one finally got him. So in the, in the scream universe, you can take yourself a fair amount of stabbing. You can twist that. Knife well, also, also I mean, you know, someone in this, in, in this movie takes a, a, a cast iron frying pan directly to the dome and yes. does not, it, it does not phase them. Yes. I mean, in the history, like, that is one thing that has really shifted over time. And it's the thing that's sort of set up in the first one is like, wow, he's taken a lot of head damage from people. And it's like, well, he gets to recover because he doesn't have to be Ghostface all the time. But at a certain point, one of these Ghostface killers has to attach a bike helmet or a motorcycle helmet to this ensemble so they can take multiple headshots. <laughs> Because there's no way to explain the amount. Like, you get hit with a frying pan once. And 
you would be laid the fuck out. And there's no way you're coming out of this without a visual bruising. And again, we don't come to scream movies. Well, again, you, you cannot, you cannot ponder any of this. You, you, you mm. just got to let it, you just got to sit back, let it wash, let it wash over, over you and, and, and just enjoy because none of it makes a lick of sense. None of and it. Focus it, on the big, focus yeah. on the big ideas and it's, yeah, the, the reveal factor. makes no sense. The, yeah. the, no. you know, the museum of ghost faces makes no sense. <laughs> The, 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 you know, the idea that Richie's dad has apparently paid off, you know, uh, 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 police departments and prosecutors offices across the country to give them just hand over bloodied shirts and weapons from yeah. these, from these, the, these major murder cases because his son is a fan of horror <laughs> movies. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, it's as close to in the scream universe it's ever gotten to a true bond villain is what we have here was that richie in the end was was smart enough to be able to acquire all this shit and somehow richie's dad was making enough from a civil servant's salary to be able to pay for it with three children mind you three children and i'm assuming a a wife who died or does not want a divorce settlement. That's the only way you can possibly fucking figure that one out. Again, we don't come to scream for reality. All right. Let's speaking of that family. We have Quinn who fakes her own death in the apartment as they all gather together. Quinn's date does not work out so well. We think this might be a different person than the previous person. I, I do. I, I I do like when. Uh... I think it's uh, uh, Mindy and Sam run into the bathroom and like the guy's like, you know, in pieces in the tub. And he's like, ah, that guy's dead. <laughs> yeah. You're not, that, that, you're that not that checking that pulse. That, that's, that's, yeah, he's that's, not walking out on a stretcher like, oh, well, I tied it off with the sh- shower curtain. I think I'll be able to think. Uh, I, 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 I felt that. I, I could definitely see myself be like, oh, that guy's dead. <laughs> uh, Mindy takes a pretty deep gash to the, to the shoulder which uh, she feels um, during their escape. It's very difficult for her to move around. Uh, They kind of cordon themselves off in one of the bedrooms and shove a dresser up against the door that Ghostface is... uh, Here's the thing. (laughs) In terms of Ghostface's variable strength, like two of the Ghostfaces are we children, okay? And then you have... Dermot Melroney, who obviously has a, a size difference over the two of them that is palpable, just fucking palpable. But how you could go for what feels like four or five minutes kicking a fucking door, I'd, I'd, I'd run out of gas. Like well, for a man his age, to be able to come at that door for a solid five minutes... That's a lot of juice you got running through you. Well, pres- presumably it's one of the kids who who uh, uh, kills off Courtney Cox's uh, uh, Gail Gail's football player sized boyfriend. Right, Sho- shoves that motherfucker right through a bookcase. Comments how his muscles didn't do anything to help him, and <laughs> like holy hell, 
you know, again, we we are dealing with mom with baby trapped under a car. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess you're just dealing with crazy straights. Yeah, that's the only movie explanation for this. Because again, you've got you've got Ethan, who's the other the other killer who gets stabbed full on in the mouth. She twists the knife around. And then somehow he's like, "What?" <laughs> running at them, and it's like, "Motherfucker, that went into like your 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 the roof of your mouth." Well, like, there's some vital things. If you go through the mouth and hit some of the stuff back there, including your spine, um, again, you're hitting you're hitting arteries. You're just like, right. "Come on, man, come on." Yes. Uh, again, they've got some Voorhees family forearm strength here. Yeah, you got, but you, but you got, you got to let it go. You, you got to let it. Go. Yeah, the Baileys are are tough motherfuckers. As a, a weirdly enough, Richie was the least damaging of all of them. <laughs> like Richie was the entree to this particular family, who was much more deadly than he actually. Well, was. here's a here's a question for you. That, sure. that, you know, again, I really shouldn't be thinking about this, but <laughs> so this is just a year after the events of five. Yeah. So we have to assume that Richie was nuts the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that, again, this is a very long con he was pulling to to start dating Sam to convince her that he hadn't even so much as heard of the, the Woodsboro murders, let alone read any of the books or seen any of the media surrounding it, you know, for the express purpose of, of getting her, of getting her to go back to Woodsboro, come with her and continue this path of destruction that Amber had presumably started by attacking Tara. Yeah. So, was the rest of the family already as crazy as he was, or did they all just snap and and you know, devolve in the the year after he died? Well, in the Scream universe, it's definitely homicide runs in the family. That's one hundred percent true. That homicide is a carried over trait. Even Sam is evidence of that. So. Uh, while that is not reality, that is certainly something that seems to be very true here. So it's t- it's a toughie. It's I, I guess really the reason he latches on to Sam is in the hopes of killing all those people, uh, damaging himself a little bit, but definitely setting up Sam as the real killer. Like he wants to frame Sam. That seems to be the theme going forward is Sam is the perfect Patsy. If you can just get her dead and she's uh, how to put this a la a Jean-Claude Van Damme. She's hard to kill. Wait a second. <laughs> she, a la Steven Seagal. She's hard to kill. She's a hard target. Would you like to, is that yeah, what you're trying to go a for? Hard target as well. <laughs> And she rides away from the, the scenes of massacres on a horse. Oh, my God. Balls if, of flame go off in the if background. If only. I, when we were in New Orleans a little while back, uh, I we went on a uh, an electric bike tour of various architectural 
things and historical things around New Orleans. And the the tour guide would would explain a lot of, th- like at the end, you could tell he was wrapping up the knowledge he had about an area. He goes, hey, listen, we've visited a, 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 a graveyard. We've learned about uh, voodoo and, uh, you know, organized crime in in New Orleans. It's sunny outside. We're having a good time. We're on e-bikes. Once he hit e-bikes, you knew story over. Listen, we found, we learned a little bit more about jazz. It's connection to why music is so popular here in New Orleans. It's sunny outside. We're on e-bikes. Let's go. (laughs) Anika is um, Mindy's girlfriend. uh, And uh, she's a very cute gal. Uh, and as she is a boyfriend or a girlfriend, she is an instant suspect. Um, here's the thing that she's got going for her. She looks great in a bucket hat. Um, my kid also somehow. uh, Yeah. Somehow. I know my, my kid also looks great in a bucket. hat. I think it has to do with the exact length of your hair, because if your hair is just long enough, you kind of, instantly hit that 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 uh that teenage dirtbag look mm-hmm. that just my 90s nostalgia just instantly goes to and <laughs> my my kid also does that and it's also interesting to note that friend of the show Tracy uh knows Devin Dakota who who plays her in the movie uh and so that was a nice again everything is making me like this movie so uh, Anika ends up uh, getting stabbed in the chest uh, and is very worse for wear by the time they make it. Uh, most of them over that rickety ladder. Um, and that's a, a difficult uh, journey, even under the best of circumstances. But it's a lot harder when you have a ghost face on the other end trying to uh, teeter you off. And unfortunately, she does not make it because she's feeling a little woozy here by the time she gets aboard that ladder and Ghostface tips it over. She falls face first onto a dumpster uh, from four stories up uh, and then hits the ground after. And uh, yeah, that's not something she's getting up from. No, she, she does. She does not implausibly walk away from that. No, but she looks great in bucket hats. How many other screen characters can you say that about? Almost none of them. So there's, I mean, I think, I think, I think Tatum probably got to pull it off a bucket hat pretty well. Yes. Yes. Again. Now here is another thing in that museum of previous stab and scream memorabilia. There is a replication of the outfit from the original screen, but that skirt did not come from scream. No, it was a reproduction made by my horror team mate, Trivia teammate, Amalia. So uh, is that right? Yes. Poltergeist and Paramours. Go to poltergeistandparamours.com. Uh, I'm not sure she still has them in stock, but she remade them a little while back. And uh, someone snagged one to put in this movie uh, <laughs> because it is a perfect replication. And she made them on mass. So, again, everything about this movie is designed to make me like it. So... <laughs> If you're putting Amalia stuff in your fucking movie, I'm going to like it. Um, so there we go. Uh, 
um, we get a lot of talk. And after this, this is this kind of talky second act uh, where we reintroduce Kirby from Scream 4. And we talked about it ever so briefly. Kirby really gets the short shrift here. And I also don't think they quite have the Kirby voice down. We, it, she's a lot faster. She's like a gangster mole. She's, she, she, she should talk as fast as someone in a screwball comedy. And here she's a little more languid. She's not given enough dialogue to sort of rip it. Like she's in the middle of a Gilmore girls episode. And that I feel like is a bit of a missed opportunity. And I'm, I think the way you laid it out, Gina is perfectly right. She's, she probably entered this movie so late into the process that they didn't quite nail what they wanted to do with Kirby other than set her up as a red herring. Right. And not very convincingly either. The the fact that, that she would have been thrown off her game by the fact that the ghost face murders happened again and, and she's been kicked out of the FBI. It's kind of like someone really should should have checked that out earlier in the process. I, I feel like that's an easy enough thing to do for the NYPD. But again, I don't come to screen movies for realism, but even still y'all, this is some soap opera level shit. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, I like her boots. She she dresses she dresses very much like me, <laughs> which I, I don't have that hair. I don't think I can pull it off. But but other than that, I mean, they, you know, you know, all in black, big boots. I'm like that. That's representation up there. Yeah, she, she dresses like she's a ghost writer. It's a. Uh, I it's, feel nothing wrong with that. I dress like a ghost writer. <laughs> and it should be said that in her. Horror movie riff off with Mindy. They both have very correct fucking opinions, Gina. It's holy it's a shit. little. It's a little. They do. Um, I'd say that if they for being you know, supposed to be hardcore horror fans, the mm-hmm. movies they mention are a little you know horror movie one hundred and one. Yes, but 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 that's all right. But we they are talking mainly franchise stuff. Right. That's true. Yeah. And we are dealing with a franchise. So I, I think that's the motivation behind that specifically. And when they come to the Friday the 13th part two final chapter split and they're like respect, I've never felt more seen in a motherfucking movie in my <laughs> life. <laughs> Holy shit. They, they condensed one season of our podcast into a brief exchange why are we still doing this seven, nearly seven years later? They, they fucking solved it. Everybody. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you know, proof that we are correct. Yes. Very, very. We true. are, our opinions are valid and vindicated. <laughs> if it's said in scream, it has to be true. Uh, Courtney Cox's kale. Gail Weathers is introduced in a color blocked outfit. We love to see it. That's absolutely requisite. I enjoyed the zag of Sam missing the punch and Tara actually connecting. I, I enjoyed this. That was good. Um, it's a bit hack. It's a bit obvious. I still liked it. I don't care how she fucking lives and her, her boyfriend who is a mountain of a man dies and is able to be shoved through a fucking bookcase. Don't get it. 
Uh, I, I just feel like that they, they plunged that knife into her chest hard enough that it should have come out the other side. Right, yeah. She should be pinned to the floor uh, with the amount of force that go goes in there. And I'm not entirely sure which ghost, which uh, Bailey uh, sibling or dad, it, it would have to be dad. It's not, it's not a dad because the dad is there doing the, doing the, the culture in the park. Yeah. So it's not him. So like, if that's Quinn, she is on meth or she has been given. Wolverine. She, she, she's, ju- she's juicing somewhere. <laughs> she is absolutely juiced on something because that is an extended scene. Um, and yeah, that whoever that ghost face gets knocked the fuck out a couple times. It takes a frying pan to the side of the head. Again, would be fine if at some point you pulled off that hood and she's wearing like a bell motorcycle helmet. And you're like, see, that makes sense. Someone's going to fucking do it. Someone's going to listen to this podcast and figure that the fuck out. Cause that is the one thing that like it t- people took damage in those early screen movies. And now it doesn't seem to phase them. It's like, Ooh, Oof, I slipped. No, 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 no. You got frying pan to the fucking head, man. That, I, 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 I've always, I think I said this about uh, back in part two, because again, Mickey takes a couple pretty gruesome shots to the head. Yeah. And, and you know, seems only a little, although he does get knocked out at one point, which I, which, which I appreciate. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. feel, I, I just feel like at some point they kind of like have, have like a ghost face take the mask off, but then they look like a Looney Tunes character where like <laughs> the one eye is all swollen shut and like they're missing a few teeth and, and like, and like they got that like comical, like, like cone shaped lump on their head and like. <laughs> some cartoon birds. Yeah, and exactly. Symbols rotating it, around their head. Exactly. That is that is a pretty neat. They they use that set to its entirety. They they really give you a tour of what her apartment's like, and it looks fantastic. Um, but I was like, wow, no one's getting, no one's sailing off of that that very high building. Seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, see, that's if you would surprise her muscle bound boyfriend, and he went off the edge. Then I'm like, oh, okay. He didn't see that coming. Okay. That makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the way it's presented, I don't think quite quite works on the believability index, but th- that's all right. Um, it, when she starts to fiddle with her, her gun safe and it doesn't go, I'm kind of like, here's where we get into the complicated nature of Scream and gun ownership (laughs) because I'm a very anti-gun person in many circumstances. Like I don't like hunting, but fine. Do I believe that people have the right to own a gun given our constitution? Sure. If it's well-regulated, it's in the same fucking paragraph, but there's also like, I was like, Oh, she would, I was like, man, if they catch up to her and she's like, I couldn't get my gun safe open. And that's why I ended up dead. I was like, I'm going to not like this, but they find a, they, they figure it the fuck out. Um, in that she opens that safe and just unloads on the door. Um, I enjoyed that sequence very much. And she should, um, in many circumstances, it's very hard for me to believe that she's alive, but yeah, uh, at least they've, they've taken her off the board 
in many circumstances. And she gets to say, he didn't get me. Yeah. You know? So I, I think they're trying to do right by that character is what it comes down to. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I wonder where do they go with her as a character from this point? I mean, if, if she is as smart as the care as, as, you know, we're supposed to think the character is, she would simply stop getting involved in, in, in anything remotely related to Ghostface at this point. A real media personality would always be end up like a network's first call when there's a Ghostface killing and she does a talking head segment. Yeah. She does not need to be in the middle of any of this. She can make an appearance. She can She can be on a news broadcast where she's a talking head, Ghostface expert, Gail Weathers, perfect. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I, I would be perfectly fine. And I have no problem with Gail as a character. I just think that as a character, you know, she, and I hate to put it this way, because I am talking about a person, a fictitious person, but a person, she is, you know, worn out her usefulness at this yeah. point. Yeah. I, I, she's kind of, again, if she doesn't end up in in seven, they've squared her circle in many. Yeah, respects. I think it'll be I think it'll be perfectly fine if they pulled a you know she you know moved on to you know you know a slot on the talk or something like that. Right. You know? yes. She's not she's not doing the crime beat anymore. You know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes, I think that would be a good element. We don't we don't have to have her killed off as the first person in Scream Seven. We don't have to do that again. The franchise has moved on from the very specific trope. Uh, it's better when it zags. It just is. Now, by a, a long set of circumstances, including a subway sequence, which I we could talk about, but I think is just better experience. Yeah, it's it's very it, it's very well done. I'll, I'll keep it short by saying that you know, as someone who has had a panic attack on a very crowded subway, mm. it uh it. it does that very very well again yeah. though the light splashing on and off that's not really a thing but the losing your phone signal that's very much a thing that is that is, yeah. a, that is an almost daily experience for me and it's and it's and it's you know it can be unnerving especially if you if your train just comes to a stop and yeah. and you can't you don't get a signal and i mean obviously people survive for the first you know 80 years of, of the, you know, subway service without it. But, you know, let's face it, at a, we're, all at a point, we're all very dependent on our phones and being able to get a hold of anybody at any time, particularly the case of emergency, that when you suddenly don't have that, it, it immediately makes you anxious. And, yeah. and so I, that, that, that part was very well done. I think that was probably the highlight of the movie for me. Uh, they don't, what they don't do, which I think is what most people would do and what we told Oliver to do if he, if he, we ever got separated from one another on a subway, which is if we were separated, you get on the next train, you go to the next stop and get off because that's where we're going to be. That that's how you reunite on a subway. Everyone it's, it's a simple operation. It works every time. Well, I, I well, I think that they 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 didn't realize she wasn't right, with yeah. them until the train had already left. Um, but uh, the mini sequence really looks like they're going to do her in. This does set up a thing about uh, Ethan. Um, and did you know that this is the same kid who's Spider 
in the Avatar movie. I heard that. I had not, I have not seen Avatar two yet, but I did. Okay. I I did hear that that he was in that. Because he's like a Tarzan boy in that. He's he's all buff and shit because he has to keep up with these nine feet tall aliens and he can't breathe the air and he's got all this muscle mass on him, which is weird for, uh, you know, a teenager at the time to have that level of muscle mass. Uh, Whereas here he's playing the new trope, um, which is the deadly soft boy. He's like a, he's like a Jesse Eisenberg. Yes. Yes. Um, But it's definitely, a thing that has started to crop up in horror movies in the last six, seven years, the deadly soft boy who looks like he can't harm a fly, but obviously is in is connected to the internet. So we call him an incel to his face and he, you know, shrugs it off, but ultimately he's a killer. I think like we have to find again, I, we need to, we need to confront incels in horror as a reflection of our society. We just have to find a way to kind of do it better because I don't. This is the weaker link for me in terms of the movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. They 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 start to to drop some crumbs, but don't really pick them back up. There's just too much going on, and um, it, it's the thing that. Scream really does try to define its characters. So as a result, like you kind of have to pick from one column or the other to move things along. It's kind of the genius of that first one that it's such a small cast. Like one of the things you really notice here, which Scream 2 avoids is everyone who talks is involved in this movie. Like if you talk, you're involved. Whereas in Scream 2, there's all sorts of people who come in and out of that film who don't end up really being players in in the actual end result. And that's not something this particular set of films has figured out yet. And it's hard to, to do given that you have characters that are carrying on but i i think it's something that's going to have to figure out eventually here uh, without it becoming two and a half hours yeah, it's uh, not yeah everyone who talks is directly involved in the action yeah yeah i agree with you otherwise you're not going to get that cheerleader in the bathroom scene you're not going to get the sorority sisters of scream two you're not going to get carrie fisher in scream three like those are elements that have been lost in this new iteration we're, we're going too closely to screenwriting rules and not a movie. And I'd rather a movie. If I have a nit to pick with this, that would be it. Yeah. Everything, like I said, with the, with the character of the doctor, uh, particularly, like, and I'll say it again, he, he had something to do at one point. Mm-hmm. But, but since he doesn't do that thing, now his character feels superfluous. He is, yeah. he, he is at no point a real threat to anyone, nor does it feel like he's a real threat to anyone. You know, he, he gets all flustered and says, well, I have to report this. And then the very next time we see him, he has a knife in his, in his, in his face. Right. And if it's to throw suspicion onto Sam, it's fucking insane. Like even Kirby, like, just strikes that down and goes, that doesn't make any sense because that doesn't make Sam look like, why would Sam do that? 
that completely throws you off the track. That's this amateur time. Like it doesn't make any sense. You're going to like, they're not going to know what's in the file. It doesn't seem suspicious. The last therapist she sees gets killed by a, a a a ghost face killer. That's insane. That doesn't, that does more to prove her innocence than it does to throw suspicion on her. It's completely dumb. And that's the reaction that Dermot Mulroney gives was, was one of the first times that, that uh, Becky leaned over and goes, he's, he's a killer. <laughs> like he looked like disappointed. Like, well, I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and really he's like, ah, it seems to line up for me and my specific purpose for killing that person. And she's like, she immediately po- pokes holes in it. And it's kind of like, Oh, Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that just, yeah, it's like a, a remnants of a previous draft or things change, whatever it was, it doesn't quite work out. No, 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 no. So let's let's get to our denouement here because that's really all that's left is we have Kirby and uh, we have Sam and Tara who uh, make it to the museum. Uh, and of course, uh, we have Danny left outside because Sam says, I can't trust you. You told me to do that. He's like, hey, hey, I get it. He goes off to get the police, which is smart. Uh, he doesn't say anything about it, but that's what he ends up doing. So they get in there. They immediately get a call that, uh, oops, um, you know, Kirby is definitely one of the killers and they instantly believe it. Um, I should also mention that Chad's in there. Um Chad almost gets stabbed to death and by all means he should have been, but anyways, he's made of gold in my mind. He has to live on. They have a big tussle. Quinn is the first of the Baileys to go. uh, And she is killed when Sam shoots her through the forehead uh, with a very poor digital composite. Um, This is the jankiest special effect in the entire movie. And it feels like it was put in by my son on pro tools. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's shockingly shabby looking. I was astounded because like, I don't even think it'll play on a small screen. It does not look good. It looks poor. I mean, nineties CGI poor. I don't know how this passed muster or is the last thing they did and they, they paid for it with their final dime. It's not good looking. And in a movie that has tons of great special effects, this is disappointing. But also, I mean, that's how you do it, though. She's not getting up from that. Yes. Yes. She's not getting up from that. Um, It's satisfying, but I just don't like the special effect. Um, uh, Ethan is stand through the mouth. Somehow survives that. We'll get back to him because he doesn't. We he doesn't die in that order. Um, Detective Bailey is the next one to go. Uh, Sam tries an interesting approach here. He wakes up after being knocked after being knocked out because they they both rush at one another. <laughs> like I'm, I I think it's Mission Impossible Two where Tom Cruise and the villain. Uh, throw themselves off of motorcycles into one another. This is the same thing. Now, Detective Bailey has a, a raised pistol that he never fires, and I don't quite understand why he doesn't. He just runs headlong into another person, and they fall off, and she hits the ground, and he hits a cabinet, 
and when he wakes up, he stumbles back behind this make this ripped screen and she comes out of nowhere in Billy Loomis's ghost face costume and stabs the fuck out of his arms, which is an interesting route. Yeah. I, I did wonder why he simply just doesn't shoot her. He's a cop. He could could come up with any absurd story to, to explain it and and people would buy it. Yes. I mean, he set this up for her to take the fall again. This is the Bailey family. You know, MO is Sam should take the fall for the murders we want to commit. So again, she runs out of bullets and you see that. I just think, he should also dry fire and that would be perfectly explainable. And you're like, okay, then mission impossible to yourselves out of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they go flying to the ground. And anyways, she stabs the fuck out of his arms and she's like, listen, you wanted me to kill, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice touch. But uh, then he, you know, they make the determination that, you know, he's going to spin this, that it was still Sam the whole time and no one's going to believe her because they've put that into the environment already. And he's a cop who's not going to believe him. And that's when Tara stabs him the fuck through the eye. And that's very satisfying. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, and is it possible that it's opening up that maybe, I mean, I know that Tara is not related to Billy, but maybe she's someone that has to be kind of, you know, kept an eye on as well. Yeah. I do think that there's an element of this that puts the, you know, our Meeks Martin twins in opposition to our Carpenter sisters in a sequel to this, where they're on opposite ends of something, because certainly the Carpenter sisters are more directly involved. They, they, you know, and the the Meeks Martin twins are tangentially involved in the core four dynamic. So I think it's interesting what they could do with that. It sets up something like it does show that Tara is, you know, moved up. But again, it puts her in the same circumstances, Gail and Sydney, who have killed when they needed to, because otherwise that motherfucker won't stay down. That's that's kind of the setup in the scream reverse. Right. Uh, speaking of people who won't stay down, Ethan uh, pops up again, uh, but he gets TV'd by Kirby Reed, <laughs> who finally uh, shows that she- The old, the, the old Stumacher. The old Stumacher. Um, so, although it's not plugged in, so you don't get the- which I think you kind of want- um, yeah, you need you need that. You need the you need the, the zotson and the zapping. You need the zotson and the zapping. It's the one element I miss. But at least they leave Kirby on a note that she can fucking take care of herself. So there's that. Um, I enjoyed that element, but I do feel like if we're going to bring in Kirby to be in more of these movies, we need to step up her characterization to be on the level at that she was introduced at. It's just. That's the Kirby I want. I just don't want a Kirby. I want Kirby. You know what I mean? Yes. That brings us to the point where we choose our own death venture. And that is where of the deaths presented in this motion picture, 
a lot of them stabbing related. Which way would you choose to go and why? Up oh, forbid we have stabbed to death in a fully furnished alleyway. We have bisected, beheaded, and placed into a fridge a la Mrs. Vorkies. Stabbed in the gut repeatedly. Uh, stabbed. Stabbed and shot. Stabbed and shot. Uh, get bunked through the face via knife. Um, we have all messed up and dumped in a tub. Uh, we have stabbed in the chest and dumped off a ladder from four stories up, hitting a dumpster before the ground. Uh, we've got stabbed repeatedly and shoved through a bookcase, uh, shot in the forehead, uh, stabbed repeatedly in the arms, but eventually just stabbed through the eye, and then uh, stabbed a bunch of times, but then uh, Kirby Reed shoves a TV onto your head. And so, Gina, uh, you are my beloved co-host, and I choose you to go first. Um, I do like that doctor kill. I I do I do like the uh, I like the shot of uh, of uh, Ghostface in the frosted glass. I think that, mm-hmm. that that's pretty creepy and well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and also that looks pretty quick. I I, yeah. I, I don't want uh, Annika's death. That that, that it seems very yeah. prolonged and, and and unpleasant. And she knows she's about to die. Um, and I don't do heights. Yeah, no, no. Um, and you know, that would be just like me to to land face first and just bounce off a, a dumpster before I hit the ground. That that would be yeah. actually no. I would go in the dumpster and then and then <laughs> and then people would have to fish out my corpse out of the dumpster. And there's probably like a, a rat nibbling on my foot and all because you know New York City baby. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I would take that 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 knife right to the face. Yeah. I think, yeah, of all the knives to the face, and this newer set of screams loves a knife. Oh, yeah, the they go up noses, they go in mouths, they go in eyeballs. They're, they're just all over the place. It th- in that last one, through the neck, like, and for an extended period of time through that neck, it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, listen, any of these people who end up, like, completely, you know, bisected and beheaded or that whoever Quinn's uh, date was in that tub, like they, that was not a pleasant way out at all. Um, Yeah. I think I'd rather get shotgunned to be honest with you. And, and you get to go uh, out a hero. Cause he did try. He did try. He did try. He did try. He's doing his best and he's not going to let one doofus in a mask. Listen, if he survived that many Santa cons, he's not going to let a ghost face con put him in god damn right so it's that neat nyc spirit that lives on so i think i'm gonna go with bodega clerk because he really did try um and you know that just about does it uh josh hollis does all of our artwork and uh revenge body go to revenge body memphis at bandcamp.com to get this theme and so many more remixes gina where can people find you on these here internets i write about television and movies at spool.net including this very movie we just talked about i also will be reviewing very soon god help me uh the new children of the core movie oh man um and i I have a newsletter in it, which I also write about movies, and that's GinaWatchesThings.substack.com. And finally, you can find me slowly losing my mind on Twitter at Gina Does Things. Do it today before Twitter goes out. Um, we're, we're there. It while just we're, won't die. Just like a shambling zombie through the night, uh, Twitter. 
another shambling zombie us on Facebook, we at least have a private group there. So you don't have to wallow in the mire, right? Like I use Facebook to let my parents know my child is alive and to talk with our Facebook group. And that's it. That's all it's used for. Uh, Instagram. I throw up a couple pictures uh, on the, on the channel feed. You can always talk to me there. Like I'm not going to say no, but it's, it's mostly people trying to get us to wear goth jewelry. Now, Gina, uh, every all right. week. Okay. I'm proposing multiple if we, people. If, if we ever, if, we wear goth jewelry. If we ever, if we, yeah, when we finally meet up and do a live show, let's go get our belly, our belly buttons pierced together afterwards. That's it. If you guys support us to the point we have a live show, we will get our belly buttons pierced. That's our promise to you, the kill by kill listener. Uh, but that just about does it for now. Guess what? We've got lots of shit happening in the future that we actually know about. Why? Because we've already recorded it. Next week, we'll be talking about Fantasy Island. For some reason. <laughs> Believe it or not, <clears throat> for some reason, on Fantasy Island, they meet the actual goddamn devil. And guess what? Uh, smoke comes out of the weirdest places of this dude. Uh, then over on Patreon at the end of the month, we'll be talking about everyone's favorite Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. <laughs> Uh, the week after here on, on the main feed at the very end of the month, we'll be discussing Megan, uh, which is currently available at home uh, for you. If you have Peacock, uh, it's available to rent. Uh, I would encourage it. It's a fun movie. We'll be having a non-spoiler upfront and spoiler filled uh, conversation after that. Uh, and, and of course, after that, uh, we'll have Animal Attacks April coming our way uh, and, and uh, lots of fun stuff planned for that. I'm not going to give it away, but th these are some wild ass movies and we have some fun guests to talk about it uh, along with us. So, holy shit, is this our longest episode ever? It's quite possible. Not quite. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did because we knew when we were chatting we were going to be talking about this movie for a while. Uh, but that just about does it. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.